0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks and coming up today, technology, AI, and your children's education. No matter how you feel about things like big data and artificial intelligence, it's a reality in our everyday lives, which means today's kids need to learn about how to understand it and navigate its potential pitfalls. On the flip side, computer science is already one of the most in-demand and highly paid fields in today's economy, and will only be more so in the future. Will there be enough people to fill those roles? And on the lighter side this morning, Halloween is back in all its spooktacular glory this year, which is a real treat for America's confectioners. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, October 4th, 2021. Today is National Vodka Day, which I think should always be on a Monday. (laughs) National Vodka Day. Um, It is also National Cinnamon Roll Day. So I don't know if having a cinnamon roll with your vodka is a good idea, but if you are so inclined, it is Improve Your Office Day. Today is International Toot Your Flute Day. National Ships in Bottles Day Day. National Taco day which again you know have ta- have some tacos with your vodka and your cinnamon rolls National 104 day 104 good buddy world Animal Day and today is e day which is designed to raise awareness about the benefits of recycling computers and the hazardous nature of electronic waste so reasons to celebrate day or the observances uh, for the day today. So here is our question of the day. We posted this on Facebook. Be interested to get your responses here this morning. With Halloween coming up, the streaming service Voodoo polled more than 2,500 of their fans to see what their favorite scary movies and TV shows are. Uh, at the top of the list, on the TV side, the Twilight Zone, there's a classic TV series, not any of the I mean, they've they've relaunched the Twilight Zone uh, a couple of different times over the years. We are talking about the original Twilight Zone TV series from way back when. And uh, I would have to say that's a that's a pretty good selection, the Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone series. although, Alfred Hitchcock Presents was really creepy, too. Uh, It could be really scary uh, in terms of classic TV series. But anyway, on the movie side, kind of interesting. The Quiet Place films were number one, which are relatively new. The Quiet Place. If you've seen A Quiet Place, you know the premise is that these monsters can detect even the slightest human sound and so everybody on the planet has to be silent and be very quiet, a quiet place, so as not to uh, attract the attention of the monster. So A Quiet Place uh, was number one, and The uh, Twilight Zone topped the TV series. Uh, overall, for the movies, after A Quiet Place, the original Halloween from 1978 was number two, followed by It from a couple of years back. And the 1984 original, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, then the original Friday the 13th round out the top five. So A Quiet Place, Halloween, It, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th are the top five movies. When it comes to television shows, after the original Twilight Zone, Voodoo users ranked The X-Files as their second favorite spooky series, followed by Buffy the Vampire Slayer, American Horror Story, and The Walking Dead. So our question this morning, our question of the day on Facebook, you can log on to the WFIN Facebook page and uh, weigh in on this. What is your all-time favorite scary movie and or TV show? And it'd be interesting to see some of the responses. I mentioned Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh, I think was one of my favorite creepy not so much scary, necessarily, sometimes it was scary, but uh, more creepy. um I would certainly put I would certainly put uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents above Buffy the Vampire Slayer, don't you think? So that was a bit of a surprise, and there are so many scary films that didn't make the top five. I mean, I think it everybody was talking about it I did not see it I am not a big scary movie fan uh, I did not see it but everybody was talking about that definitely should be on the uh, top of the list but I was I was a little bit surprised at a quiet place uh, over things like the shining psycho um the birds um, there I mean there are so many and I know again I'm I'm channeling my inner Hitchcock here um but there are so many uh scary movies uh, that a quiet place being number one really surprised me. So anyway, uh, weigh in with your thoughts on the uh, scariest and and/or creepiest movies and TV shows on our uh, Facebook page. It's our question of the day. By the way, speaking of Halloween, a new study by Lombardo Holmes finds that the state with the most Halloween decorations, Uh, The the state that goes all out for Halloween more than any other is Utah, of all places. Yes, I was quite surprised by that myself. Utah. Uh, They, uh, I guess, looked at how uh, they analyzed Google search terms to see how popular the holiday is in each state. And they found Utah was number one. The other States that make up the top five most Halloween-obsessed states are number two, Illinois, number three, New Jersey, Texas, and New Mexico. Round out the top five there. They also found that the average person spends $145 per year on Halloween decorations, and the most popular ones, skeletons, pumpkins, spiders, spider webs, witches, and bats. Some of the top decoration choices in the U.S. So, but Utah, would you have thought Utah would be the number one Halloween state in the country? I know. Surprised me as well. Uh, Let's see here. Of course, after Halloween comes the holiday holiday season. And you better dial down your expectations, they say. It is not looking good on the gift-giving front. Supply chain problems, of course, delaying delivery of everything America imports from other countries, which is a lot of stuff, obviously. Shortage of semiconductors is hampering production of everything that has a semiconductor chip in it, which includes everything from cars to phones to toys. The automobile industry, of course, uh, hit the hardest by this, but everything is affected to one degree or another. Critics say the U.S. got this got itself into this mess on its own, in part by failing to invest in domestic manufacturing. So you wonder, will this be enough to uh, finally push us into reversing that trend? I would don't count on it, but uh, kind of interesting. And uh, if gift giving is going to be, I mean, it's going to be slim pickings for gift giving this year. Who are you going to get for? Who are you going to buy for? And who are you going to maybe leave out? Well, uh, apparently, if you disagree with your relatives on COVID-19 vaccines and things of that nature, you may not have much in your Christmas stocking this year. According to a new study by Coinstar, one in eight Americans Plan on skipping holiday shopping for friends and family who do not share their views on the coronavirus. (laughs) Is this what it has come to? Is this what it has come to that we are cutting these people off of our Christmas list if they disagree with us on the uh, coronavirus? That is a bit of a shocker. Meanwhile, two in three Americans say they are looking forward to the holiday season this year, despite maybe not buying as many gifts due to budget constraints and uh, COVID-19 uncertainty and the supply chain issues and all of that that we were just mentioning. Specifically, 39% of the over 2,000 respondents to this poll say that they can't afford to buy as many gifts as usual. Another 34% blame their tight holiday budget on either being unemployed or uh, working for lower pay, having their pay cut because of the pandemic, whatever. But, uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> so how are we delineating who we're buying for and who we're not? It's by who we agree or disagree with uh, on the coronavirus. Kind of interesting. And uh, one final note here among the first things you need to know this morning, and this is perhaps a uh, good side of the pandemic teen vaping is down and way down a report released thursday by the fda and the cdc shows a drop in teen vaping in the use of teen uh, use of vaping products by teens but health officials have urged caution in interpreting the results as teenagers number one self-reported their behavior um and also because As things go back to normal, they don't know whether to expect this trend to continue. But in the national survey, uh, 11% of high school students and fewer than 3% of middle school students said that they were recent users of e-cigarettes and other vaping products. That is a 40%, roughly, a 40% drop from last year, the year before, when nearly 20% of high school students and 5% of middle schoolers said that they had recently vaped. Uh, One expert in analyzing the study says the decline in vaping will have to be confirmed by other surveys due out later this year, and it's hard to predict whether vaping could rebound now that most schools have returned to in-person classes. And it makes sense. Kids were locked at locked down at home with their parents. wasn't as easy to, number one, get a hold of, of vaping products, uh, but also to use them uh, without their parents' knowledge. So, a big drop. Uh, precipitous drop in uh, teen vaping but uh, might be an anomaly when all is said and done but kind of interesting nonetheless and that's the point of the first things you need to know this morning the day's most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your monday morning started
1: wfin news i'm matt Mcheck. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast cloudy today with some showers and high of 74. A chance of showers tonight, a low of 61. Habitat for Humanity of Finley-Hancock County dedicated its 48th and 49th builds during a ribbon-cutting ceremony on Saturday morning. One of the new homes is for the Ibarra family, and Miriam Ibarra thanks everybody who helped make it a reality.
2: This journey has not been an easy journey. They didn't just build me a home and said, there you go, there's the keys. They pushed me to better my finances, to budget, and to work for it. They held me accountable for all the goals I was setting, and trust me, it's easier said than done.
1: The Ibarra home was a community build and was completed by more than 350 volunteers. The homes are located at 2050 and 2060 Elyria Street in Findlay. Get more on our website. Ohio has doubled the amount of money for its new Vax to School program to $2 million and plans to expand the age range to include children 5 and older once the vaccine is authorized for them at the end of the month. The announcement comes as health officials across the state have been sounding the alarm on the rate of younger patients becoming sick and hospitalized with COVID-19. The overwhelming number of those patients are unvaccinated. Dave James, ONN News. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is reminding drivers to slow down and pay close attention this time of year due to the increase of farm equipment on the roadways for harvest season. If a farmer has pulled off to the side to allow you to pass, do so with caution and be sure there are no other obstacles in the way. The Sheriff's Office also says never assume that a farm vehicle that pulls to the right side of the road is going to turn right or is letting you pass. Get more safety tips on our website. The Finley Trojans football team with a huge comeback win Friday night. Montgomery with the deep drop, loads up, airing it out, looking over the middle, caught! Touchdown Trojans! Ben Ireland again! Oh my gosh, that's... that's just incredible. Tim Montgomery and Cliff Height with the call from Donnell Stadium as the Trojans completed the comeback and defeated St. Francis 35 to 28. The Trojans are now four and three on the season and take on Clay on the road on Friday. Get more news online anytime at wfin.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: Well, no matter how you feel about the world of big data and AI, it is the way of the future, which means today's kids are going to have to know about it. Joining us this morning is Ruz Aliabadi, Abadi, uh, CEO of Ready AI, which is a company that provides artificial intelligence education for K-12 uh, students uh, around the world. They're Goal is data literacy for children. And Ruse, let me start with that—that that mission statement, if you will. Data literacy for children. You say there are several reasons why that is important. Explain.
3: Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, think about it. Think about STEM subject. You know, science, technology, engineering, math, and these are the subject matters that are considered to be foundations for future of jobs. You know, also yet STEM education. Uh, has been uh, kind of uh, having a difficult time uh, being translated to virtual learning and uh, uh, we're seeing children uh, without knowledge for a solid foundation in STEM education. So we also think the ability to understand data is perhaps the key ingredient for future jobs. Data literacy is more important than ever before.
0: And certainly, even if kids—maybe a bit of a sidebar here—even if uh, kids don't go into careers centered around data and AI, certainly because of its influence on our lives, uh, they need to understand how it works so that you know they have a working knowledge of what's driving so many aspects of their lives.
3: No, no you're absolutely right. Think about it. We, we we're seeing that data drives better decisions today. And it, it's really moving societies forward. And we also really believe understanding data and artificial intelligence are key to jobs today, but more importantly in the future. Um, we know how hard it has been in the past two years for students, teachers, parents, especially navigating school virtually. Yeah. But we really think in our work with Cloudera, it's really important to bring STEM education and AI education back to the classroom and start the conversation.
0: I I was going to say, you know, if you need any evidence that this is the future, you can look at just the past year of virtual learning. But that did not really go all that smoothly for many families. In fact, it may reinforce in some uh, a fear or at least an apprehension uh, of the influence of technology in our lives uh, these days. So how do you get past that?
3: I understand, you know, uh, parents, educators are concerned about technology, but the truth of the matter today is everything is data and data is everywhere. You know, think about your phone, your smartphone today, your iPhone, or maybe your cards or a TikTok account or Instagram account or Facebook. So if this is the case, then understanding data and how to use it can really make our children smarter and more competitive in the classroom. So this can also lead to better jobs. As they' are becoming adults, yeah. so by looking at what has happened in the past, um, you know data can uh, in a way help predict what will happen in the future. So let me give you this example. you know you can use data to build the most optimal sports team or maybe predict uh, predict uh, certain diseases or conditions before they happen. This is super cool in fact, data is uh, is part of our present, but I really believe it will become a bigger, much bigger part of our future, Therefore AI will soon your kids, coworkers, drivers, maybe customer service reps, or, sure. or radiologists. So it is becoming important to um, integrate it in our education system early on.
0: And as you mentioned, the irony is that uh, this year of uh, virtual learning and such, which has been such a challenge, has in some ways been kind of a setback in the effort to emphasize data literacy education. Uh, there's a, an interesting uh, irony there. So what is being done? to help combat that issue?
3: Sure. Um, So the, the most important thing is in our collaboration with Cloudera, we're really thrilled to be releasing this new book, which is designed to make science and technology accessible. And I think that's the key term. And also inclusive and easier to understand for young learners. So they, too, can become data literate. So A Fresh Squeeze on Data, which is a book that we've done in our collaboration with Cloudera, in a way, explains complex concepts like data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and biased data in everyday ways. So also, it's important to know that this is not a book that was written just by us for Cloudera. You know, many educators, teachers around the country, also students, participated in building this uh, book. In fact, the book begins by explaining how collecting unbiased data Ah uh, can help children sell more lemonade at the lemonade stand. <laughs> then expands on key concepts with more real-world examples and interactive exercises. By the way, you can get this book free on freshsqueezekids.com, freshsqueezekids.com. And that's, in a way, uh, part of our efforts to make it more inclusive. But, all, all, but it is important to know that maybe a lot of people don't have constant access to the internet. So we also made hard copy of this book available uh, on various platforms so uh, folks can purchase it as, w- as well. But the entire content and lesson plans are available free of charge on FreshSqueezeKids.com.
0: And this is uh, one of several initiatives that have been launched to make uh, help make data and AI uh, more interesting and more accessible to more kids.
3: Absolutely, you know Cloudera, when they came to us, you know they they have this belief that no age is too early to start
0: teaching data literacy,
3: and uh, they partner up with us, they partner up with Boys and Girls Club, and in fact, they ran a fantastic program uh, as part of this initiative, Cloudera Ready AI and Boys and Girls Club in Connecticut, uh, sponsored its brain gain themed summer camp where they uh, piloted a new curriculum for teachers. Uh, that explores the role of data and artificial intelligence and its role in our lives. So Cloudera has been doing many initiatives and we're really glad to be working with them uh, um, as part of this project, which is called uh, A Fresh Squeeze on Data.
0: If uh, data is everywhere and in everything and will only be even more so in the future, again, it is critical that today's kids have a working knowledge of it for any number of reasons. Again, uh, Ruz Ali Abadi is CEO of Ready AI, and you mentioned uh, the book, The Resources That Are Freely Available uh, to download. Where do we find those again?
3: Yes. uh, So you can download a fresh squeeze on data and associated lesson plans and activities on freshsqueezekids.com. Once again, freshsqueezekids.com.
0: Roos, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you uh, for having me on. Well, if you follow economic trends at all, you already know this, computer science is one of the highest in-demand fields of the U.S. economy, uh, and that will only continue to be so uh, in, in the future, and, and even more so in the future as well. The question is, will there be enough people to fill those roles? Uh, the folks at Amazon and Gallup recently conducted a survey to understand student interest in and engagement in the computer science field. And joining us this morning with more about that survey and computer science education opportunities in general are Tom Barry, Senior Manager of the Amazon Future Engineer Program, and Stephanie Markin, Executive Director of Education Research at Gallup. And Tom, let me start with you. Um, tell us a little bit more about this uh, Amazon Future Engineer Program. With uh, Obviously, there is a bit of a self-serving purpose for your uh, own company but as you point out this also is benefit beneficial for the economy of the nation as a whole
4: yeah amazon future engineer is about the idea that all students deserve, deserve access to computer science whether or not they come and work at amazon or not it's for all students and really we think about this because we know from the latest research and other indicators uh, with gallup that students are interested in computer science, but they don't have the opportunity to learn in their schools or exposure to careers. And we think this is a bigger problem than Amazon. This is a miss for the U.S. national economy, because if you look at uh, employment data from the latest federal statistics, if you work in a computer science or information technology field, you'll earn twice as much as the national income average of all other occupations. So ensuring broad access to these the opportunity to learn is really important for students and their families from an income mobility perspective, as well as for coming to work at all employers uh, throughout our economy.
0: Now, I understand uh, at the central part of the Amazon Future, Future Engineer program uh, is mentorship. What role do mentors play in getting students interested and engaged in computer science as a possible career field? Role
4: models and mentors are really important to help a student conceptualize future, especially with a confusing idea like a career. It puts a human person in a story of a journey of someone who left school and ended up in a career right in front of them. And our research with Gallup shows that among students that strongly agree that they have a computer science role model, they are 10 times more likely to want to pursue a career in computer science versus students who strongly disagree. And we've seen this in Amazon Future Engineer because we have programs that have been in schools for the past few years, and teachers and educators and students say bring an Amazon employee in to explain what's possible in a career. We've launched the Meet in the Amazonian program to connect classrooms with a diverse group of role models through a program called Class Chats, which is a live virtual career talk series, and a behind-the-scenes tour, live, of the technology at Amazon that powers our one-day delivery through a computer science tour of our fulfillment centers. And since we launched this in April, we've reached over 140,000 students, and primarily in nearly 2,000 Ah uh, title one u s. schools. These are schools that serve the lowest income communities in the u s. So we're excited to expand that to three thousand by the end of the year of schools we'll serve and use this as really a first step in a broader journey to helping students.
0: Now, Stephanie, I want to bring you in uh, because obviously uh, Gallup did kind of the legwork uh, on this uh, survey, and I would imagine the the whole mentorship aspect was one of the things that you looked at. What are some of the other key findings from this survey?
5: One of the most important findings is just how widespread interest in computer science education is nationally. We found that 62% of students throughout the U.S. wanted to learn more about the topic of computer science. And yet, unfortunately, only about half of students nationally report they've actually had the opportunity to take a computer science course in the past 12 months. And that gap between interest and participation was even larger and more pronounced for underserved students. The students who are coming from lower-income households were far less likely than their peers to report. They've actually had the opportunity to take the computer science course in the past 12 months, despite being very interested in doing so.
0: Now, when you combine, uh, when you look at all of this data and break it down and combine it with programs such as uh, the Amazon Future Engineer program, what does that say about how the availability of those opportunities, especially in, as you mentioned, those underserved or underprivileged communities, how does that help kids get into the field uh, as a career? I mean, obviously high demand uh, opportunities for uh, great income. So great future uh, in this. So how does, uh, how do these programs uh, help kids get into this field?
5: Nationally, we see 70% of students report that their school currently offers a course in computer science. Unfortunately, that number drops really dramatically for underserved students. So students who are living in rural areas throughout the U.S., as well as students coming from lower-income households, are far less likely to have access to one of those courses within their own schools. And even when we go into urban areas where we see computer science courses are more available, we still find that Black and Latinx students are less likely to report that those courses are available within their schools. So we continue to see really tremendous inequities that are keeping students from exploring this, not just in the short term in a single course, but also as a long-term career.
0: It's interesting you point out and I think this is worth underscoring that we're not only when we talk about underserved communities uh we're not only talking about minority communities which uh, certainly fall into that category but also uh in many cases rural uh schools and so on where the opportunities smaller schools where uh, as the number of opportunities uh just do not exist That's
5: exactly right. In the issue of role models, where we see they have a huge impact for students, we find that just about half of students nationally actually have a role model in computer science, and we found that if you lived in an urban area, you were twice as likely than a student living in a rural area to have access to one of those role models. So really tremendous inequities in just availability of role models to reach students in very different parts of the country.
0: So... Uh, Tom, I- explain uh, where folks can get more information. I'm I'm hearing this, and I'm thinking, you know, this uh, would be something that I think uh, my uh, my school, my students' school, uh, my child's school could benefit from. How do we get more information and get on board with a program like this?
4: You're absolutely right. Any school is welcome to sign up. Really, any student teacher, parent, who cares about this in their community, you can head on over to amazonfutureengineer.com.
0: As we mentioned, uh, this is one of the highest demand fields in today's economy right now and will only be more so in the future. And obviously those uh, jobs, those roles need people to fill them. Uh, Again, uh, Tom Berry is Senior Manager of the Amazon Future Engineer Program. Stephanie Markin, Executive Director of Education Research at Gallup. Thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news
0: alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you is a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. The, I, I got to admit, this is weird on a number of levels. Um, in the Mojave Desert, the other day, special operations soldiers, special ops, were training at an airport in the Mojave Desert when they were reportedly attacked and wounded by a sword wielding man dressed as a ninja. <laughs> First of all, if you are a sword-wielding man dressed as a ninja, attacking special ops personnel... <laughs> is probably not the smartest idea, but apparently he got the best of them, at least temporarily. The special ops guys were forced to shelter in a hangar. (laughs) So on the other level, I look at this story and say, well, maybe that's why they needed more training. Um, Because I would think that this would be something that they should be able to handle. You know what I mean? Our special ops people, they should be able to handle a sword-wielding man dressed as a ninja. The incident uh, took place on the afternoon of September 18th, and the Ridgecrest Police Department in California uh, confirms that the incident actually happened and suggests the wounded victims, a staff sergeant and a captain, were members of the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, an elite helicopter unit known as the Night (laughs) Stalkers. They they called 911. That must have been an interesting call. Uh, Yes, these are the Night Stalkers, and we (laughs) have a problem. We have a ninja uh, reportedly fled and was arrested elsewhere. I don't have any information on his identity or what his motivation may be, but... Ultimately, you would think that that would not be the smartest thing to do, but force the uh, special ops night stalkers to retreat. It's got to be embarrassing. Elsewhere in the broken news, uh, this is our dumb criminal of the day. A uh, man in Missouri, James Kurtz, is in custody after accidentally. Posting a picture of his meth stash on Facebook. <laughs> Accidentally, he didn't mean to do this. Authorities say Mr. Kurtz posted a photos of uh, posted photos of um, something he had for sale on the social media site Facebook Marketplace. But it was sitting. He took the photo of this item that he had for sale. Uh, he took the photo of it sitting on his coffee table. And right next to it, (laughs) uh, a stash of meth and uh, syringes clearly visible in the background. (laughs) Upon seeing the posting, someone tipped off police who then conducted a search and made an arrest at Mr. Kurtz's home. The man has several prior convictions uh, and is now facing a charge of possessing a controlled substance. Just let that be a lesson to you. Uh, when you are selling something on Facebook and posting photos uh, of this item, make sure that you uh, check for contraband uh, also on the table visible on the photos. Not too bright. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is a very Florida thing to happen, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Sean McMahon posted a video to Facebook that shows what happened when he went fishing with his seven-year-old Dawson uh, in the pond behind their home in Palm Crest, Florida? The video shows uh, Mr. McMahon encouraging his son as he tries to reel in a large bass at the end of his fishing line. It was his first big catch when the boy finally manages to drag the fish to the shore an alligator suddenly jumps out of the water and grabs the fish in its jaws. Uh, Dawson then dropped his pole and ran away. <laughs> I would, too. The alligator takes the fish, swims back into the pond, taking the fish, the line, and the pole with it. So They're going to be getting his kid a new fishing pole. Or maybe he's scared his kid off of fishing altogether for... All time. I'm not sure. Uh, speaking of strange things that you see online, this the uh, viral uh, social media post of the day and the broken news uh, when they say if looks could kill, this is probably not what they meant. A 25 year old woman named Sam says she landed in the ICU after going into septic shock from wearing high-cut jean shorts, apparently spending the day. um, (laughs) The culprit, the center in his sepsis, is a day-long wedgie from high-cut jean shorts. As Sam tells BuzzFeed, she had worn the shorts for a date, but woke up the next morning feeling very sore and then started feeling a throbbing, stabbing pain. The next morning, I was in septic shock and rushed to the ER by my mom, shivering, breathless, I couldn't walk. I had extreme body aches. Sam spent nearly four full days in the ICU. Luckily, did not need to undergo surgery. The incident actually happened three years ago, but Sam only recently shared her story online as a cautionary tale to others. She said, always listen to your body and your gut. If something is wrong, do something quick. I could have died. Also, she says, wear what makes you feel comfortable. (laughs) Instead of dressing to impress on a date, a day-long wedgie from her high-cut jean shorts sent her into septic shock. That is amazing. By the way, what uh, an, an interesting kicker on this story, the person that Sam went on that date with actually visited her when she was in the ICU because they are still together now three years later. So <laughs> she did get a successful relationship out of it, but... I'm not sure (laughs) that was the best idea. And finally, in the broken news this morning from the international file, a Lithuanian man was rushed to the hospital last week after swallowing more than two pounds of metal. The man who admitted to swallowing nails, screws, nuts, and even knives underwent an emergency three-hour surgery At a local hospital, this according to a report in the BBC, I wouldn't have believed it, but the BBC publishes Apparently, they researched it, and this is true. Some of the objects were four inches long, and the surgeon uh, said it was a very unique case. Man is lucky to be alive. He is now in stable condition post-metal extraction. And why did he do all of this, you might ask? He claimed it was an attempt... To stop drinking alcohol. <laughs> Curative of him is alcohol addiction, apparently, but he's got a whole other problem now. Uh, there you go. Uh that is a very unique way of going sober. There you go. Uh that is uh, today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN
3: Radio News. We keep you in the know with the events of our community that affect you and your family. Whenever it happens, you can count on us to fill you in with the information you need. We'll also keep you up to date with all the latest from around the Buckeye State with the help of the Ohio News Network. And we cover the nation and the world with the resources of ABC News. The information you need around the clock from your news authority.
0: 1330 WFIN. WFIN.com and now at 95.5 FM. Time for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So new data from researchers in Vienna on the way men and women handled the COVID-19 lockdowns differently. They looked at mobile phone data, first of all, from more than a million people between february and june of last year so right when things started to when we sort of settled into this new normal and they found that in general people made fewer but longer telephone calls right after the lockdown started and that phone calls involving women lasted significantly longer um women calling other women had phone calls lasting one and a half times longer than before the pandemic began. Phone calls from men to women lasted nearly twice as long. But what was really interesting in this research is that they found the differences, the pre-existing social differences between men and women were amplified. Uh, For example, women went out far less than men, which, Kind of surprised me, actually. And apparently this is a a pre-existing social uh, difference uh, between men and women. Women uh, went out far less than men. The data showed that men visiting large recreational areas or shopping malls uh, during the lockdown, uh, they did that more often than women did. That wasn't so much of a surprise, nor was it. That once lockdown restrictions were began to be lifted, men returned to their pre-pandemic lives and behavior patterns more quickly than did women. Again, not a surprise at all. Uh, the co-author of the study, Stefan Thurner, says we are providing concrete information for policymakers, which can perhaps be used for planning in an acute crisis of the future but also could flow into a more targeted health plan or could even lead to considerations on how to achieve a more gender equitable society. Well, I don't know about that, but I did find it rather interesting the uh, ways in which men and women handled the COVID-19 lockdowns differently. of course, Halloween is right around the corner. A recent survey from the National Confectioners Association finds that 82% of people plan to celebrate Halloween this year, and uh, that is uh, up substantially from last year. Probably not a big surprise. Joining us this morning is uh, Carly Childhouse from the uh, National Confectioners Association. Obviously, this Halloween is quite a bit different than last year, and that's a good thing. Even the CDC has given trick-or-treat a big thumbs-up this year, and People are finding uh, new and creative ways to uh, get into this season.
5: Well,
2: thank you so much for having me. And like you said, we're so excited about all of the excitement around Halloween. Um, This year, it's all about how we Halloween. And everyone will celebrate a little bit differently. As you said, the CDC said that because it's an outdoor activity, trick-or-treating should be a safe way to celebrate Mm -hmm. the Halloween season. So that's a great option for people uh, if that's the right choice for them. Others might enjoy Halloween at home or some virtual celebrations. And again, 82% of people say that they'll celebrate this year, which is an incredible number. We're really excited about uh, about that.
0: So, uh, frankly, Halloween is all about the treats. Uh, you know, let's be honest. That's what it's all about. And that's why we have you with us uh, here this morning. What are the favorite Halloween treats? You obviously are very in tune to this.
2: You're absolutely right. Um, Chocolate and candy play a really important part in the Halloween season, and Americans have ranked their favorite treats. First up is chocolate, which uh, feels like one that makes a lot of sense. I love chocolate myself. Second is gummy candy. And then third up is the always iconic and always pretty divisive uh, candy corn, which I <laughs> I happen to love, and I'm I'm wondering if you do as well. See,
0: now I do too. I like candy corn, and I know this also pops up on on people's lists of least favorite candies. Uh, everybody has strong opinions uh, about that, but I am in the uh, I, the way I look at it is just more for me.
2: I'm I'm glad to hear that I feel the same way, and uh, you know, we actually also asked Americans who enjoy candy corn how they eat a piece of candy corn and we found that some people start at that thicker yellow end some people start at the thin white end but most people more than half of americans just eat that whole piece of candy corn on all by itself
0: yeah just pop it in that's uh, yeah there's uh, yeah. uh you don't have to over complicate it you don't have to overthink it that's the <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing what is it about how did how did candy uh, and halloween become so uh, intertwined
2: it's always been an iconic part of the holiday, and chocolate and candy have this really unique ability to lighten people's moods and brighten perspectives and bring up a little bit of nostalgia so I think people really enjoy that they can connect those positive Halloween memories to chocolate and candy and add that joy to their to their uh, fall to the Halloween season
0: so is this the the biggest time of the year for confectioners halloween is our super
2: bowl that's what we like to say so it's a lot of enthusiasm from manufacturers from retailers and of course from consumers as well
0: so any other uh, fun facts uh surrounding the halloween season uh that that you can share and you know amaze and astound us with I would love to share my favorite Halloween fun fact. In the same survey, we found that
2: 76% of parents admit that they go through their kids, their kids' <laughs> Halloween candy stash after trick or treating, uh, which means about twenty four percent of parents are not telling us the truth. We, I, we that's what I was. Doing it. That's <laughs> what not, I was not gonna, admitting
0: to it. That's what I was going to say. You may, you may have uh, seventy some odd percent, two thirds say that they do, or three fourths say that they do. Uh, but let's be honest, we all do. Nothing wrong with that either. Um, Again, uh, Carly uh, Childhouse is with us from the uh, National Confectioners Association with a uh, Halloween season upon us. Uh, Carly, where do we get more information? You mentioned the survey, really uh, fun stuff uh, for Halloween. Where do we uh, find all of that?
2: We have a great online resource called Halloween Central, which you can find if you go to alwaysatreat.com slash You'll find fun facts like the ones we talked about, safety tips, and plenty of other tricks for treating during the
0: Halloween season. Absolutely. We always want to stay safe above and beyond all else. Carly, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me. And again, happy Halloween.
0: And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember to learn more about everything that we talk about each day on the show, just check out our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we'll tell you about a hometown girl done good, a conversation with Findlay High School alum Ann Romer about her work as manager of astronaut selection at NASA. Should be fascinating. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.